Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 662 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined today by David Bray and Ben Funky Askren, the boys in blue. Yes, <laughs> we joined the Crips. And, um, you know, it's first day, new chapter for us. But welcome, Ben. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well this morning. Let's see, I had a lot of time at the Wrestling Academy yesterday. Um, what else? That's it. Working on the disc golf course. Got the celeb program coming up in now under three weeks. Um, working hard on the course. No, no Mulvaney's helping me out. Um, so we're we're doing a good job. Well, wonderful. What's the what's the latest on the groundhog situation? I got four of them, but uh, you know I need I need I need to reset the traps out because I I think I got a couple more that I got to get still. Okay. Well, best of luck yeah. in your quest to kill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so we had some recruiting news. I think we should start with that. A couple of recruit, couple of nuggets, and then a, and then a big bite. Um, the Nuggets, Mark nuggets. Hall to Penn as the volunteer assistant coach. Uh, oh, wait, was it Mark Hall at Penn? Well, yeah, he's he was on the RTC. Okay, but now he's on staff for the college wrestling team. Got it. Got, Got it. it. Do you remember Ryan Anderson, Ben Askren? I do. I was, uh, yeah, you guys were very, very high on him as a prospect. Um, he, uh, yeah, I, I thought, I always thought he just didn't quite take it serious enough and that might be an issue going into college and then that was an issue going into college. Yeah, he's so skills. He, he's got, he's got the skills. He was, he definitely had a unique build for a middleweight. Um, originally committed to Iowa State, then he went to, um, a, uh, a college, I can't remember which Where'd one. Centenary, else. something like that. Yeah, Centenary. Centenary, uh, which is like near his hometown, and now he's going to Binghamton. So Binghamton about to do the do. This is a young man that would drink Mountain Dew in the corner during breaks. Oh um, if he can get it all together, he's going to be. He, he could be a handful and a nice pickup for, for Binghamton. So I'm excited to see that. Um, but the big news, Gavin Nelson to Minnesota. The Golden Gophers pick up another huge recruit in the class of 2023. Bray, what does it all mean? 
Well, I mean, Minnesota, they, they need a big recruiting class, and they're off to a, a really hot start. Um, you know, Illinois got the kind of the, the wheels turning in the, the, the race for who's going to be the number one class with Cannon Webster was like the first 2023 commit to, He's to sign. He's really good. And, really then, good. and then they also added Christian Carroll. So it's like, okay, Illinois has got this incredible class. Um, but now Minnesota, they have Gavin Nelson and Cody Chittum. Both guys are top five in the class of 2023, um, number one and number four. And, and uh, it's, it's a new look for the Gophers. Thinking about a couple of seasons from now, it could be a, a pretty salty lineup. They still have some holes to fill. But, um, I mean, I think it means that the Gophers are making the kind of moves they really need to make. So now remember, this is not for the class of 2022, but the, a class down the line, 2023. Yeah, so what do we make but, of, of the verbals coming at this point? Um, you know, we see commitments all the time, and then on occasion they can wind up not not going to those places. What are we thinking what about percentage these? Of, what percentage of the, that class, you know, when they commit this young, what, what percentage end up switching? Um, Chittam was a question mark to Minnesota. Uh, but Gavin Nelson seems like, uh, I don't want to say a, a dub, but Minnesota's had so much success with the upper weights. He's right there. He's at Simley High School, not very far away. I'm sure he's up training in the room on a relatively regular basis. Um, so I'm sure he has good familiarity. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, th I think that was, I don't want to say an obvious one, but that's like, you know, Minnesota usually keeps their good upper weights home. They don't get free very often. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think a large percentage of these early verbals, they they stick. They stick. There are some examples where where they don't. But by and large, the the verbals hold hold pretty true. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think there, there are reasons for Minnesota fans to, to feel pretty good about these commitments. I mean, I, the, the obvious one, Gavin Nelson, like you said, Ben, I mean, he's right down the road. His, his high school teammate, Bennett Tabor, um, is going to be going there, class of 2021. He is he, – you know, the heavyweight group that came out in 2021 was really interesting. There was no, you know, Gable Stevenson, Mason Paris kind of guy. There were yeah. a lot of prospects that are, that are I think, very similar. Um, and Bennett Tabor in that room, they've had success. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go on and do well. But he's going to be filling in at, at heavyweight. Um, and so having a teammate, you know, Gavin Nelson coming there makes a ton of sense. Well, then, the, the only thing, yeah, go ahead. hold on, about this is you, I, you pointed out, yeah, that, that his high school teammate, Tabor, and Tabor's a uh, very large gentleman. I don't think he ever has any intention of making 197. No. So, it, you know, this would be a Kirk Fleet, um Gable type of situation. If Gavin Nelson were to continue to grow, there's not really a, a space for both of them. So, I mean, That's the yeah. Question. I, yeah, that's the question. If he keeps growing, what are they going to do? I know he sees himself as a as a ninety seven pounder, but you know, who, you know, who knows who knows what happens growth wise. If they can keep him at ninety seven, I think that's going to make it make it a no brainer. Yeah, I, I think that's one of those things that's tough to predict, right? And yeah, that's one of the reasons you can see these these changing commitments. Often the changing commitments is frequently been and maybe i'm missing a lot of examples it's frequently a sort of a red flag for for the for the student athlete when they change not that the early verbal comes but you think about you know adam buziello guy that changed a couple times so you're saying Gavin like Teasdale. speaks to their speaks to a personality type yeah i mean when you see the the changes uh in decisions off the early verbal it's not an indication of like the school not able to hold them oftentimes it's like maybe a, an issue of maturity or or whatever 
Um, I really that, wonder. I mean, that would be an interesting thing to look at to see if you're you're right on that one. I mean, there's definitely uh, obvious a few clear ones that come to mind. Um, I guess the only one I, I could think of right off the top counterpoint would be Kirk Vliet, who, you know, he went Minnesota, Ohio State, Penn State, and now he's having success. Well, actually, he went Minnesota, Oklahoma State. He oh, my gosh. That Remember? was only like for four days, though. <laughs> it was a couple <laughs> months. Forgot. It was a couple months he was committed to Oklahoma State. And then – Ohio State. Then he went, oh, actually went yeah. there. Then he left and went to Penn State. Wow, um, I totally forgot that. Yeah. Um, so would so, you count someone like, say, David Taylor? Because David Taylor initially was committed to Iowa State, flipped no. the verbal. Well, why not? He's because someone who's going one place and went the other. You're he saying went, he just he, follows Kale? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, it's still a different school. Also, he didn't verbal. He didn't verbal in his freshman year. He actually committed. He and he NLI'd, and then he transferred. Right. He he yeah. literally signed. So I think that would be a, a different example. Okay. Fair enough. So. I, I also think you know when you're talking about commitments and how likely they are to stick. I think Chittum, he he doesn't feel like a guy who you know made a decision on a whim mm -hmm. it, it feels like a family with a plan i mean they you know i think thought a lot about a lot of different places and um sean russell was instrumental in that in that you know his relationship with sean russell was was important and russell i think is still planning to train there for the foreseeable future that feels like a good sign and then yep. the group that they're bringing in they have three 41 pounders and um a couple 33 pounders coming in this year to class of 2021 that are going to be strong really good like you know lower lower weight core that that cody's going to have a good set of training partners to yeah, I, I like that uh the texas kid you guys got on the list i, I watched him in juniors and i really liked him a lot and then two really tough wisconsin kids who haven't really totally made their mark nationally yet and jagger Eich and blaine brenner so you have a lot, a lot of guys down there to train with yeah vance von bars you know, both, both Drew Roberts and Vance Vonbar have fathers who not only wrestled at the NCAA level but have coached there. So I think those are guys that you know, feel like have a lot of um, familiarity with college wrestling. They're not going to be surprised yeah. by it. They, uh, you know, they're going to be really solid too. So that thirty-three forty-one group is is I'm get, you know is that Kevin yeah. Roberts' kid? Yep. That's yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. Oh, it is. Yep. Oh wow. Yep. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So big news for for the Golden Gophers. You got to be uh, you know a little excited there if you're a Gopher fan. Well, it's a big pickup. It's a good haul with Gavin, and you know they got the chit him. He's from Tennessee, but I guess he liked it at the U. Well, I, you know what's not to like. You gotta love it. Anywho, we'll keep it moving. John Smith, the greatest to ever do it. Uh, he, if you haven't listened to his interview with Kyle Klingman, you definitely should. But he he kind of hit him on on all angles, and he asked him about a step out. And Coach Smith was, I would say, if you read between the lines, he is not in support of a step out. I, I don't think he, but I don't think he is, I don't think he's staunchly against it. I think he was more like, I think there are implications that are not being considered in folk style wrestling um, that would make this rule a bad rule, which is interesting. And he noted it, when sort of, Getting into specifics, he said, think about a guy, you know, he's getting an escape, he escapes on the edge, you know, how, how are we going to officiate that? I think there's going to be a lot of complicated scenarios that maybe don't make sense for folk style. And there's a lot of different 
positions yeah. in folk style that aren't in that aren't in freestyle. And uh, so I thought that was interesting because you know this is a, a wrestling genius uh, who's thought through probably every scenario that could happen in a wrestling match. And so uh, you know it, it kind of makes you makes you think a little bit. I mean, well, uh, in that, I have thought, obviously, that scenario comes up. Um, right. You know, one of the things you could do in, in that scenario would be some type of, I don't want to say shot clock, but, you know, once you get the escape, you have a couple seconds to circle back into some type of position where you're not penalized or something to that effect. Uh, I, know, I know that does make things complicated, obviously. Um, what other specific situation? So I haven't watched an interview yet. Is there another specific situation? Because that's, uh, that's obviously the number one. Like what would we do here? Type of situation. That's the only one he he mentioned specifically. Okay, that's that's the real obvious one. Mm-hmm. I would be very curious to see what what other situations he would be talking about because besides that one, um, and listen, I don't love the step out. I love it more than what we have now. Um, but I don't really see what else would be questionable as long as we don't do the grounded. Yes. I mean, oh my gosh, we can't do the grounded gimmick. If we do that, then yeah, yeah, there's a lot of issues. But if we don't do that, then I think we're kind of clear. Yeah. So I, uh, I don't know if I missed this thread in May when it happened, but I know we had Chuck Barbie on the Bader, the Bader show, and then I saw some tweets on Twitter. Nomad's been trying to, he's been like pestering uh, Chuck Barbie for a little bit on Twitter, um, but. Chuck Barbie had said that the push out promotes pushing, de incentivizes executing holds, to which the, the reply is, well, in freestyle, do you see this at all? And I think the answer is you really, really don't. But then he mentioned some other things. As far as subjectivity, these come to mind. Who stepped out first? Should the referee stop the action when a foot steps out or let it continue? Should the referee score the step out or the continued action after the step out? Were the wrestlers down on the mat or standing when a step out occurred? So I think I think I could answer all those very easily. Who stepped out first? I think we don't really have an issue with that. Every once in a while, there's a question. They go to review. It's taken care of. Should the referee stop the action when a foot steps out or let it continue? Um, I think it's easy. I and well, I think this is one of the places the freestyle actually misses. Is they don't have. We've talked about this at length. They don't have a clear continuation policy. Sometimes it's one step. Sometimes it's 27 feet into the next mat. And I, I think the continuation is easy. If you have something in bounds still, you can, you have a few seconds to continue. But if you're all the way out, you're all the way out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of like they have currently. I think that that one is pretty easy to answer. Um, and then were the wrestlers down on the mat? And I think in our opinion, it wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. We don't want the grounded. We just want, if you're in a neutral position and you go out of bounds, then you are being pushed out. I think so. I think those questions he asked right there are relatively easy to answer. Yeah. Yeah. I do as well. And then to his other statement, my biggest concern is the push out promotes pushing and de incentivize executing holds. I had the same worry. I had, I was very worried about this in 2007, not in 2021. We've seen it play out for the last 14 years. I could not have predicted how well people would be ex be able to execute edge wrestling tactics. They are so good at it. People don't just push people out. That does not happen at the international level. It would not have. It might happen for like one year in college wrestling. It wouldn't happen in year two. It really wouldn't. We've seen we've seen it play out. We don't need to guess on it. We know what it looks like. 
Yeah, you know what's it's it's funny watching old I say old freestyle matches, but you look at like some old Tom Brands or, or like Kale some of Kale Sanderson's matches and how the, it looks oh, yeah. strange when they just go out of they just concede that space and go out of bounds. It actually looks like oh this is terrible. Like why are they even how are they even allowed to do that? Which is funny because I see it happen all the time in folk style wrestling yeah. and I just think okay that's just part of the sport there because the well, Brands Brothers pushing some mugs out of bounds like crazy oh my gosh think about that that Cuban match um yeah for real <laughs> Terry yeah that was insane um the the one I I don't know if I'm right about this but I think so the, in the first year or two of the step out it seemed like the position that that you would see a lot was guy gets to a single leg and that's where you'd see him go, like take the guy out of bounds but even that position is you're less and less likely to see that yeah. single leg go out of bounds. Guys wrestle through it. Guys figured it out. Um, there was a little bit of a learning curve, I think. I remember a lot of like, okay, he got to a leg. It's a one pointer, uh, yeah. and that's gonna happen. I I, I spent in 2008. I warmed up in that position every single day. Little, little, very literally every single practice. I would just start there and kind of warm up and get warm and feel it and get the balance. And then in my 2008 quarterfinals in the trials, or maybe it was semis, I don't recall, Donnie got my leg up and he could not push me out or take me down for the first like minute and 20 seconds. And I just, I really made that a point of emphasis for, my, for myself. Um, and we still see it sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's not nearly as frequent as it was back then. And people will absolutely adapt to it. And then, you know, on, on the flip side, if you can't, if you know that's an issue and you're not willing to address it, then yeah, you're, you're going to give up one point here and there. Yeah, it doesn't make sense how the defending wrestler just well. Let's just get off on a tangent here, but it doesn't make any sure. sense that the defending wrestler can have that level of control and where the match. I mean, someone has your foot in the air, you're balancing, they're on both of their feet. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me that, pe that people can do what you did, like what Yanni did to Frank, like. Day, what Dake yeah. does routinely, I, I just it doesn't Bro, make sense to me. But it happens I never so had often. The, yeah, I never had the ability to do it. With Yanni, when the foot gets way, way up, I could never do. I never did that, or could I? Probably couldn't anymore. My foot's not flexible enough. Um, but it's it's. I don't know if you angle your body correctly and your balance is is right and your foot placement is correct, you can really stop someone in their tracks from moving you. And then the obvious here is if the other push in, if they're just um, trying to drive as hard as they can, which they won't do because they're smart, then you could take advantage of the over over pursuit and then score back on them, you know, with a crotch lift or a chest wrap or something like that. So they know they know that, hey, I can't just drive you as hard as I want because if I do, something bad will happen to me. So they have to be measured in their approach also. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, folk style like defensive tactics you you have more options too because you don't have to worry about exposure um at least in the scramble less about exposure yeah yeah less about exposure so I, that yeah. gives you i think you know more options we could see some really Absolutely. innovative technique it'd be cool okay yeah, uh, yeah I, no that's a great point i mean it's actually yeah in, in folk style it would be almost impossible to get pushed out because you could just very easily do some type of leg pass or Nolf roll or something to that effect as you were headed towards out of bounds. So, yeah, I mean, it would make it even easier. And freestyle, obviously, you don't have the option to, you know, create some type of scramble like that because they're, and, and even like, say, um, you know, the one position, this, uh, sorry if I, I love wrestling technique, if it's boring, you guys just come no, I like off. it. But like Frank Chimizo, when guys were getting the leg on the outside, not, not the inside, I wish I had a leg here so I could show you exactly, but they, they're more <laughs> able to push from there. Mm hmm. 
Um, and that was where he created, you know, he swims down and swims to the other high crotch right there and then pulls his leg back down. Like that thing didn't exist, uh, you know, probably 10 years ago. That didn't exist. No one was doing it. And now, you know, he he was, so I called the Chimizo because he was the first person that I saw do it. But again, keeping people from pushing you uh, in a really fantastic fashion. Awesome. Yeah. So I had a I had a question here, or well, it's not my question really, but something that I think re- related to the name, image, and likeness stuff, and some of the new legislation we're seeing with the idea. And I don't know why I didn't think of it yesterday, but the schools have to sign off on these contracts that they yeah. sign. And I just, I guess, I wonder wh- why that is. Why is that something that is part of this? What uh, say should they have in who they do and don't sign with? And how is this not, how is this progress? If, if, because if they have to sign, sign off, that means they could just say, theoretically, they could just say no, right? No, yeah. So h- how is that not, I, I just struggle to see how this is, uh, empowering the athletes or giving the athletes the ability to do that if if the school still has that now the counterpoint to that is well the school would not want to do that the schools want to be you know progressive i I would suppose but it just seems strange to me that they would need to sign off on something like that Yeah, well especially with how um i don't want to say loose maybe that's the right word loose the transfer portal is right now if if one school once you got there wasn't what they were mis misrepresenting how they were actually going to behave they said yeah you're gonna get sponsorships and they were just deny 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 um you know then the athlete could then transfer but i i guess i would say um and i i haven't seen this talked about but unless athletes are allowed to have some type of manager they need to have someone in their corner because, I mean, I've been in the game 15 years now, and when someone sends me a contract, I still send it to my lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's not like I can read through that and know. I mean, I can generally kind of glance at it and, okay, this doesn't look right or that doesn't look right. But I don't I don't trust myself to read through a contract and know exactly the ins and the outs of it and what they expect of me. So I, how are we going to expect 21 or 22-year-olds? And so the last thing you would want is some type of large corporation sending an athlete some type of contract that they don't understand. Right. And then saying you didn't fulfill your obligations to us because that can absolutely happen. Um, so I, I actually don't mind if the if the university would have some type of department which had a few lawyers in there, which their job was to read over the contracts that their athletes receive. I think that would be a great service by the university. Now, if they're, you know, making them turn all of them down, yeah, that's that's probably gonna be not so good and that's gonna be an issue. But um I think they, the athletes at that age absolutely need someone in their corner who's going to represent them strongly and make sure they're not going to take advantage of. That I completely agree with. That I yeah. do. I, I just think you need someone with the purely the athlete's interest at heart. Um, what, what's going to yeah. happen if there's, a, if there's a clothing brand that wants to work with an athlete and it's a Nike school? Okay, yeah. well, what, they're, now you have to sign off. Now you've signed off on a kid's, you know, with a clothing deal that's outside of, I don't know. It, yeah. it just well, seems that, I mean, like, so that would. I think you're making the point that the, that the university needs that department because then those people in the university department representing the athletes would also need to know what the university has signed and what they've promised. And so, if what the university has signed and promised uh, contradicts what what the athlete is trying to promise and guarantee, now that's going to be a serious issue because one of the one of the parties won't be able to fulfill their obligations. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. It does get into some very interesting territory. I mean, because um, obviously, so if we see like the UFC, so um, the UFC obviously had a few things like, for example, and I didn't, I, I didn't love it, but whatever, that the athletes get no fight week wear. Like you're going to wear Reebok. So now it's, um, it's Venom now. You're going to wear Reebok on fight week. You're not allowed to wear anything else and you will be fined if you do that. And we've seen people be fined. And so like having, so I think in MMA, having a manager who understands every obligation, who, who has a lot of UFC fighters under their belt so they understand what they're dealing with is really important because you, you don't want you to get yourself in legal hot water by saying, hey, I'll wear you uh, in the press conference and at weigh-ins. And then, you know, you get there and the UFC is saying, no, yeah, right, get lost. You can't do that. And now you, right, now you sign a contract that you can't fulfill and that, that's going to be an issue. Right. Now, so... um did the fighters in UFC did they have to they have to wear Reebok even in the cage too, right? Was everything all fight week obligations are all Reebok, nothing else. Even if like say say Diamond Cup, they made a really really they're probably the best cup in MMA. They got the the longer underwear, uh, like spandex ish, and it mm-hmm. holds the cup in real nice on your junk, so it doesn't hurt all that bad. Awesome, um, it's good. <laughs> yeah, but so like for example. Uh, you Reebok makes one that is terrible. It does not hold the cup on your junk very well at all. Mm. And so, you know, if you get hit, oh, it's going to be really bad. So most most fighters would just say, I would rather wear my diamond. So the UFC would literally come around with a black Sharpie and they would, the top band where it says diamond, they would black all of that out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you were in, if you were in college or when you were in college and this was uh, available to you, what would your strategy have been, Ben? To get sponsors? Yeah. Well, we also didn't have social media, so I think you know that that you could changes. have invented that and then profited <laughs> in college. Uh, that changes the landscape quite a bit because now, you know, I mean, if uh, well, I do get sponsorships, and one of the main things I sell is access to my social media. I will give you one post or one tweet or whatever it is, right? For in exchange for X amount of dollars or whatever. Um, so they, they have that to sell. Whereas in 2007, what can you really sell? You know, oh, I'll wear your clothes. But there's not nearly as many videos as there was. So I think I think in 2007 or back then, it would have been like a lot more local stuff where you could maybe do an appearance at a car dealership mm-hmm. or that type of stuff. And now the game has changed where everything can be nationally done because all you do is, you know, hey, AJ Ferrari, I want to send you some sunglasses. We do two videos with the sunglasses or I want to send you some protein powder, you know, have it in the back of your workout. Something to that effect. So I think now kids are going to be much more able to take advantage of the uh, opportunities that are afforded to them. One one of the things, you know, this question of why do schools have to sign off? Um, I don't know for sure, but Oklahoma State, the model that they have, we talked about yesterday, is I think really smart in in framing it. And the language is all like you know athlete centric. We want to help you know empower you and whatever. But I think one of the issues it's like gonna gonna be fallout from this down the road is is student athletes not understanding their their market value and expecting to make a lot more money than they they actually can. And, and that's going to be, I think, a, a challenge for a lot of these universities and these offices and departments is trying to keep athletes on board who 
can't figure out why they're not making the amount of money they think they should. And so do really- you think that's because kids at other universities will be lying to them? Because obviously they would see their, ideally they would be truthful with their peers, those yeah. at the same university, and they would know what kind of what they're making ish. Um, is that why, I mean, what, why do you think that? I mean, think about, okay, so just Oklahoma State's example, we know AJ Ferrari, he's going to, he's going to make money on his endorsements. They're going to bring in, you know, a a big recruiting class. And I don't think very many people in most recruiting classes have the ability to make money comparable to AJ Ferrari. So I think Uh, it's going to be that, that kind of thing where, where one or two guys on the team is going to make a lot of money. The rest of the roster, you know, whether they understand that or not could really, um, that could cause some some strange team dynamics it could cause some dissatisfaction with the with the institution potentially and so having somebody that knows how to manage those conversations is going to be is going to be something that teams have never had to think about before no i i so i agree it's going to be 100 percent top heavy but that was i kind of i kind of brought up this point yesterday that and i don't know i don't know when this will become legal but something where uh a university gets a shoe contract for the football team and they say, hey, we're getting $7 million next year for our apparel deal. So we're going to keep 50% of it, and we're going to allocate 50% to the athletes. Yeah. So right. everybody on the team is getting X amount. Once once you're on the roster, if you make the final roster, you're getting a check for this this much. You know, That's something that like – so now I say, hey, hey uh, Mr. Bray, if you come to Oklahoma State University, in addition to us paying for all of – your school because of this sponsorship, this sponsorship, this sponsorship, you're also going to get a uh, $64,000 check when you make the roster. Like yeah. versus and a university who doesn't do those type of partnerships, I think it's going to be left behind. I I, I got to think with the smart people in the, in the, in college athletics, we're going to see that so, sooner than later, some form of that. Um, as far as the like, on unrealistic expectations there's absolutely this because everyone lies about how much money they make and yeah. i know my wife like uh, i was on twitter and my wife would always hear these people talk about how much money they make on instagram and uh so this is like three years ago i didn't do it i didn't i hate it i don't i still really don't like instagram um and she would say yeah but if you just get to a hundred thousand you can make a full-time living this person this person this person they say that's all they do and they only have one hundred twelve thousand followers and i'm all like right. amy i can't tell you that's a lie but i'm pretty sure that's a lie <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and like now i'm at a million followers and i could maybe make a full-time living if i really worked hard at my instagram uh but i don't really like it so i don't want to work hard at it so i make some money but not like a full-time living and i'm 10x what these other people they, they, they were they're lying right they were saying i'm making a full-time living at, at 100,000 on instagram and it's just not true whatsoever yeah Damn. yeah I didn't realize you had 922,000 followers. Yeah. So, I mean, so there's a, there's a definite possibility that, um, I'm not going to say there's definite, there, it will happen a hundred percent that kids are going to lie about how much making their main money they're making to other kids to sound cool. They're going to say, Oh, I got $10,000 for that post when they really got 300, <laughs> you know, or something. That's how kids work. That's how kids operate. I, I can remember this from the time I was in, middle school kids talking about i remember we had one kid in third grade that everyone hated because he kept he his family got a pool because they were wealthy and this mug tried lying and saying he made money and paid for the pool himself and everyone's like bro <laughs> you're in third grade we know you're so full of crap and he wouldn't give it up he said he paid for the pool and we're like 
No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't pay for that damn pool. I don't know. You don't know that. Kids lie. He could have been a child lie. actor. You don't know. Oh, uh, he wasn't. I promise. <laughs> what What's he doing now? That's what I'm curious about. I who know? You know what? Maybe I'll I'll look him up on Facebook. I have no idea. Let's look him up. Let's see what he's doing. Okay. Is he still he didn't pay pools? for the damn pool in third grade, Christian. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I'm not sure. But he tried convincing everyone that he did. Kids lie, right? That's what they oh, do. Oh, they love it. They love it. Yeah. Do you guys think that name, image, and likeness changes for for wrestling will um will shift how student athletes think about redshirting? Like if you're if you're a guy that could start as a true freshman mm. right now, there's some incentive to like maybe get that year of development and put it put off yeah. your, your starting role for a you know, length of your career. Um, now it's like, I don't know, maybe you want to start getting in the lineup and uh, getting in the spotlight, making money sooner. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't think of that one, but that's definitely possible for sure. Maybe you go in there, you make a splash year one, then you red shirt, you know, just yeah. focus on social media for a year, take a, a, a red shirt social media year, and then come back. It'll mm -hmm. be, it'll be, man, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I don't, I don't see a ton of uh, negative consequences. I think it's going to create some really, I mean, this is a show about entertainment and discussion about what's going on in wrestling. I think it could be yeah. really, it could be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's going to be fascinating is like, uh, well, actually the, the kid that works for me, Caden Henschel, he has a vlog. He's very popular on YouTube, I guess. I took him. He, he So I, I lost John. John, get lost. We don't like you. You'll move to state college. Uh, as my vlog guy and I got this mm. new guy Caden um, and he, he has a huge YouTube following but he hasn't been able to monetize because of NCAA regulations but he's not popular because he was won NCAA titles he's popular because he has a vlog and he still can't monetize it um, but anyway he was vlogging for me last week and uh, I, we were up at wrestling camp and like four kids wanted their picture with him like he was really popular um, but how long till some of these really like AJ Ferrari's vlog would get watched. There is zero doubt in my mind. If AJ Ferrari found a college kid who is aspiring to be a videographer and said, Hey dude, I'll pay you 200 bucks a week. Come make me one vlog a week and put it up on YouTube. Do you now AJ Ferrari, you can give me 20% for helping you this way. If you want to, um, it's getting his cut. It's fair. I get my cut, dude. Ben invented vlog. vlogs. One, one vlog, everything's one vlog going week, through him. AJ. Well, you know, no one's thinking, AJ's not thinking about this yet. Hire someone to come with you sure? for $4 a week. Put it on YouTube. He's making uh, some pretty serious trick shots in pool, Ben. All your sponsors on there. It's tremendous. Just like, don't do anything illegal on your vlog. You know, right? Don't put it out there live. Just have someone cut out all the illegal stuff you do or stuff you get canceled for. And it's going to be tremendous. Everyone will watch it. You have tons of sponsors. So, like, there's something that, right, kids might be spending a little more time on. Boom. There you go. I, I think AJ Ferrari has has for a long time, you know, engaged in the practice of asking somebody to film him, and he's got plenty of people willing to just, you know, cause it, like he's he's on camera all the time with various camera angles. He doesn't have to. You got to get good anything. people though. Like my man John yeah. was really good, and then uh, not Caden, but I I had tried to find someone else because I couldn't get John Fuqua enough because he was like filming David Taylor and Kale Sanderson, whatever. Think you're cool, John, and. Um, <laughs> So I found someone else that it was not very good. It was subpar. So I, I don't think I even put it out. Oh dang! Hope he's got to find listening. the right people. I don't. He's not a he's not a wrestling guy. So he's. Not I don't know, guy. man. That was his first yeah, problem. Most people listen to this aren't wrestling people either. <laughs> Shut up. A lot of a lot of finance people. Oh my gosh! All right. Why don't we? Uh, 
why don't we transition to to, to questions now? Actually, okay. before we do, I think you should this leave. Business stuff season is so two. much fun. This business stuff is so fun, though, isn't it, Christian? We love business. We could yeah, be we're... business managers. Me and you, we could start a partnership, and we could get uh, sponsorships. What do you think? Let's, let's For... do it. Let's sponsor some things. Hey, the, the no, no, no mix we it up. <laughs> We get people to sponsor the college athletes. Oh yeah, I'll do it all. All right, sweet. as long as as long as Daddy gets a taste, you know. Hey, the the one question that we didn't talk about related to name image likeness is uh, Roy Donk's question in here, which I think jazz legend Roy Donk. Jazz, it's, well, this is a good. I mean, oh, good segue. It's a. Oh. How, how, are you familiar with Roy Donk? His work? I don't know Roy Donk. No, okay, Mickey Kramer and the Eight Balls. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, what would the punishment be for an athlete who makes money off of their name but is in a state that hasn't approved it yet, i.e. Minnesota or New Jersey? Could the punishment come from NCA or the university? I would say that's I would, a good question. They're probably ineligible. I mean or that's the feds. Or not ineligible, but uh, you know, they can't can't compete, whatever. How can who the NCA declare, who would how declare can, them Yeah. Yeah. No, stay a Christian. How this can the NCA declare someone ineligible for something that is totally legal elsewhere in other states? Yeah, if the if the policy requires them to submit contracts to the university and like they don't have and that process can't exist in their compliance office, I'm sure would just like shut them down. But but doesn't compliance kind of just do what it wants sometimes? Like different policies, different. Well, that's the oh, thing. Yeah. For that's sure. The thing with the NCAA, sure. it's like they don't have any uniform rules. It's like NC State will have a rule, and and UVA's rule will be different than Gardner Webb's. Then they're all they're all different. There's like but, hundreds of different actual NCAA rules. Yeah, so this is what I was saying yesterday. Though is like, can't the can't the the NCA is the governing body who would deem someone to be ineligible for competition. So if they have a rule on the rule book and they don't want to enforce it, can't they just say like that rule is scratched? Like, why do they go have to go through all this federal legislation? Can't they just say, nah, that we're done with that rule. It, it's scratched. We're not going to enforce it. So even though uh, New Jersey hasn't uh, approved this and uh, Anthony Ashall's getting mega bucks. We're not going to suspend him. He's fine. He's eligible. Like, why can't they do that? I guess the ultimate, like, um, I don't know, punishment. The NCAA could say, like, your your institution now is not part of the NCAA or something. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Banished you know? from but the NCAA. They, you know I mean? Or, or like, you think about think about like you know SMU and like death penalty, and you're you know you don't wow. you can't compete in postseason for, for capital punishment. Whatever. They did. Okay, they, but they, hold they on. Give him the chair. This is this is this is what I was saying yesterday. Is if the if the NCA is the is the governing body, they'll make you ineligible. And so, for example, it's not a college athlete thing because, say, the NAIA, for example, has different rules. Mm -hmm. They have all different rules. They will not you will not be ineligible for some of the things you'd be ineligible for in the NCA. So, if the NCA is the governing body that's going to make you ineligible, and the state legislature is failing to enact policy. Can't the NCA just say, you know, why can't they just say, you're not ineligible? Make as much money as you want. I don't care. I know New Jersey is really slow. I don't understand why they can't do that. It's not like the state of New Jersey is going to say Anthony Ashnell is ineligible because he makes money here and, and he's not allowed to. New Jersey's not doing that. Yeah. They don't give a damn. That's why we need a lawyer on here, I think. I need a lawyer. Yes. Yeah. I should have went to lawyer. law school. Okay. Um, never too late. <laughs> yeah, let's go, go back. Career switcher. Um, okay. So yeah, that's, it, it does create a lot of interesting questions. The inconsistency with the rules, with the States, with the everything. I don't know. More to, more to come there for sure. Um, oh, Hey, they have a, you have a question here. And I actually was thinking about this as I was going to sleep a couple nights ago. Oh, wow. Um, 
Why hasn't Rob Cole hired anyone yet? We didn't talk well, about that. We I thought it was coming like two days after. He said today or tomorrow when he was on with yes. uh, Bader, I think. Maybe in the, the Bash podcast. I can't remember. One of those. He's like, yeah, it's coming soon. And then, but also Cornell has not, to my knowledge, made any any hires at this point either. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm super curious um, who's going where. Obviously, there, there's been plenty of rumors around, but um, as we know, rumors are just rumors. Someone send Rob Cole a tweet. Maybe he'll answer us. At He's now at, I think, Stanford Cole or Cardinal. Really? Which, yeah, he changed it because he was Cornell Cole. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Rob Cole. Smart change. Yeah. Stanford <laughs> Cole. <laughs> Picture of Shane Griffith as his new uh, thing. Which, oh, I don't know if we ever talked about the fact that Shane, we just assumed that Shane was coming back because Rob yeah, said did. they were, but he did not put out the like the Instagram official post until after Rob was hired. It was like last week, I believe, and he said he let some. Shane basically said, "Hey, I let some important people down, but I gotta follow my heart and stick with with Stanford," which I think is great. Uh, yeah, I don't see how you could blame him for that. No way. I mean, and I. There can't be. I don't. I don't know. We we have an idea where he was looking, but the those other schools, I can't imagine, are really hold it against him too much. You know, he was only looking because his program was dropped. Now his program's not dropped, so he's not looking. You know, that that was something else that John Smith talked about in that interview with Kyle Klingman. He's you know, he uh, he said it's a not only is it a good thing that Stanford's reinstated, but it's a good thing that those student athletes are going to stay there. He he kind of he kind of alluded to the fact that like college coaches, people are, you know, they're 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 greedy. They want not greedy, but they want to to take advantage of any possible situation. And so that to me suggested like people were definitely still trying to recruit these guys even after Stanford came back. That's fine. That's their right. They're in the portal. But but the fact of them staying in Stanford and that program being strong and um being able to build around the pieces that they had already put in place is a good thing. And and um, I think, you know, Oklahoma State was was in the conversation for for Real Woods. Um, John Smith mentioned Real Woods' name even in that interview. That like it's a good thing Real is, is staying at Stanford. And uh, I, you know, I don't know how any coach would not feel the same way. John Smith is competitive as as anybody, and so I, you know, for him to say, "Hey, I'm glad these guys yeah. are staying at Stanford," I think a lot of coaches probably feel the same way. And that was a, the advice he gave Borelli was, "Hey, keep these guys together any any way you can." So it's mm -hmm. cool. Um, it's interesting. Uh, he cha actually changed the copy on his Instagram. It just says "See you next year, Stanny." Because yeah. it had said something like "Let some important people down." Um, so a little, a little more of a refined post there. It man, he is he is an absolute legend for winning NCAA's, wearing that shirt during the during the review, yeah, and and just like starting that, and and for him to transfer. I mean, he would have been he could make any decision he wants to, but. It's just more legendary for him to to come back and uh, yeah, you know, yes. have a good long career there. I still can't get over how that all materialized. It's 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 an amazing crazy. amazing story. Okay. Um. Whoops. Let me pull it up here. All right. Let's get to some more questions. What does a Burroughs Yazdani match look like? I think this would be a very fun match for a future card. I agree. Um. What does it look like? Because I man, I was I was um, all on the 
I thought Burroughs matched up great against Yazdani back in 2016. I thought not a matchup I was worried about. Yeah. I thought I thought Agoyev would uh, no Agoyev. Um, Gadoyev was going to be be the the tougher matchup for Jordan, and um, mm-hmm. I would I think that turned out to be true. We did we did not get to see the match, yeah. but I think he matches up well. I think he's he would have the the awareness to avoid the ties and and shoot in. And I think we were still you know it was it was peak Burrows then, but um, we we never got to see it. So now Burrows is going up one way. Yazdani has gone up to eighty six. And you know he's been a world champion up there. So what what do we think that match looks like? I'm curious for Ben's thoughts. Yeah. Well, I I think it's. Uh, I mean, I honestly I feel similar to you is that Yazdani works. I don't want to say exclusively, but primarily from ties and Burroughs is very good. I mean, how many times has Kyle Dake unhooked Jordan Burroughs? And the answer is very very few. And he's had a whole bunch of attempts. Yes. So I think Jordan Burroughs is going to be able to stay out of the ties. Um, and so if they're the same size, I, I, I feel like you have to think Jordan smokes him. Um, up a weight? Mm, mm. I don't know what it looks like. I, I don't know if Yazdani's big enough where if Jordan goes underneath him, he's going to get squished. I think that's probably unlikely. But, you know, we we didn't really see Jordan go under David and get a takedown. Right? He, he did get some pushouts, but David was also winning, so we're not sure what that would have looked like if David really needed to stay in bounds. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm in. I'm watching a David uh, Burroughs versus Yazdani match for sure. Yeah, I uh, I, I do wonder about the, the counteroffense of Yazdani if Burroughs gets on the attack, what that would look like. I think that's probably where the match is won and lost for sure. I, I yeah. struggle to see Yazdani implementing his, his – uh, his control ties like he like he would prefer to it's different with david because he does get to them against david because david is so he's initiating there in the hand fight as well yeah. so it's kind of gets him a, a little bit closer yeah i don't know what i am curious about is how pace would factor in is it an advantage because i don't know who it's an advantage for is it an advantage for yasdani well, is it an advantage for burrows is it just negated i think it's I think it's yeah. I think it's negated because I think Jordan. One of the things Jordan does to get people tired is he's not always so hard in the hand fight, but he'll attack and reattack and cause these kind of scrambles. And people, get, you know, Valencia. Even though Valencia was scoring, um, he was getting really tired, right? Because Jordan was creating scrambles of action that were making a lot of work happen. Um, whereas versus David, we we didn't see that because I think he wasn't as willing to go underneath David because of the size factor and scramble factor. And I so I kind of feel like the same thing with Yazdani is he wouldn't want to engage in the ties as much and he wouldn't want to go underneath as much because of the size issue. So I, I don't think and I think Yanni would be scared to of uh, Yanni. Yazdani would be scared to, you know, come in hard and dig underhooks because he might get blasted. So I Yanni think too, it's though. negated. Yanni would get blessed. Their pace, their pace is so different. Yazdani is like he he'll he'll melt guys early in matches. He just like you know burns guys out early and gets a lot of techs, gets a lot of points on the board, pushes them out, that kind of thing. Whereas Burroughs, you know, he not only does he have that incredible pace late, that great sprint, um, but he mm-hmm. makes those those adjustments that are really good. So I think this match would be probably Yazdani finds his way to some points early. And then Burroughs comes back at the end and figures it out. Because Burroughs does give up points. Um, yeah. And Yazdani's like the ideal early match wrestler that that can put a pace on that's that's really hard to deal with initially. 
very, a lot of people can't handle that pace. They don't make the adjustments. David Taylor could do it. I think Burroughs would do it as well. And I think we would see, you know, a really impressive late match surge from Jordan. I don't know what we'd see. I mean, what, Yazdani comes out like a banshee early. Is that like, does he play himself a little bit there? Do, does Burroughs really implement like a weather the storm mentality? Or is he just like, uh, this guy's coming straight at me and just like a level changing and, and getting the legs? Yeah. Do you really think Yazdani will come at him that hard? Because, I mean, just about the worst thing you can do is someone who's got a nice strong double leg is just come straight at him. Right. I mean, it's like the worst tag. I mean, so again, you watch Kyle. Kyle Dake usually forces underhooks in upper body, and you watch Kyle Dake with Jordan Burroughs, and and Kyle's movement at him is very measured. Right? He doesn't do a lot of it because of the penalty that will happen if he does. So, right. Well, I guess I, the yeah. difference I see with someone like Dake versus someone like Asdani is Dake has a an extremely varied style that he will implement based on the situation. Whereas I haven't seen that. That second, third, fourth pitch from from Yazdani, and this I'm talking about a yeah, world and Olympic champion. But I think he's he's done it, and he's done it with a singular focus on his way. Whereas someone like Kyle is like he crafts a strategy around who he's wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's but, not necessarily the case, but he definitely has different looks he can give you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you might be right on that. I don't know. I I, I feel like Yazdani would be smart enough to be measured in his approach, but maybe not. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a fun match. That's a fun match. We should yeah, make would, it happen. I would like to see it for sure. Um, does the new rule about in name, image, image, and likeness apply retroactively? I.e., would Pico now have NCAA eligibility? No, I, I don't no think so. Wouldn't work. Wouldn't work like that. Definitely a, a moving forward type of thing. I mean, that is mm -hmm. that, that the question of not just the retroactive, but like, what about what do you do with high school athletes? Like, can you bring existing endorsement deals with you into into college um i don't know well i don't think high school governing bodies allow that type of stuff do they have um did i do, i don't even know i mean do high school governing bodies one do high school governing bodies have rules about it and two like do kids I, they have to right do kid but but would kids care i mean think about i, I don't know cody chittam for example i don't think he's gonna wrestle a lot of high school matches anymore right he's gonna do college opens he's gonna you know he 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 the, the pandemic showed a number of these kids if they don't have you know if they don't have the opportunity to to wrestle a regular high school season yeah. they're gonna be okay they're gonna get yeah. good matches super 32 doesn't have any rules about endorsement deals Fargo doesn't i mean have that, any rules. that yeah that brings up another so now if we start getting into other sports um i was just talking to someone whose kid was good in it was some it was something obscure um what the hell was it but they were saying that they start sponsoring kids super early um, and, you know, with low amounts, but they want to get them under the umbrella. And then in the chance that one of them makes it big, that it was maybe like skateboarding or it was something to that effect. If they make it big, then like as they get into the like 14, 15, 16, they'll sign, sign like a longer deal, like um, a five to seven year deal. So it would carry them through when they're going to turn professional. And then they would have them for the first, say, three to five years of their professional career. Um so I, th I think, I think they're, the high school governing bodies do have these things. But then, so then add on to that, I was also talking to someone else the other day whose kid plays baseball, and they were talking about how the best high school baseball players don't play high school baseball. They 
do some type of travel league. And you know what? That would actually make me really sad because like mm -hmm. I love I love high school wrestling. Obviously financially it would probably be a huge benefit to me if if our best kids didn't do that and they did some type of season outside of the high school season, but I still don't want it to happen. Um I want them to, you know, compete with their high school teams. I think it's a huge part and it's really cool and for the most part um, almost no high school wrestlers compete outside their high school season, right? You know, you have maybe an Aaron Pico did it. And then I guess if you guys want to classify like a Wyoming Sim and a Blair as that type of thing, then maybe those guys also, but not a lot. Yeah, I would, I echo that I would be sad if we started to get away from that. And I think that, that the team component and representing your high school is the really cool thing about high school sports yeah. in general, but specifically wrestling. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, Connor, for real, for real. This is pretty funny because he kind of works through this process uh, in, his, in, in the tweet. You kind of <laughs> see his thinking. Does Mr. Fast Twitch understand the fundamentals of clothing contracts require people wear clothing? You can't get sponsored by wax chests. Actually, no. Blades. He should go Gillette instead of shirt. Smart. Stand corrected. <laughs> listen do you know how many listen i just okay i know the way instagram works relatively well if he like he should just do videos where his shirt gets ripped off and tiktok he would get a huge amount of views on all of those videos and it would be great for his sponsors you know if he had like a one sponsor a week i'm gonna rip off the t-shirt oh, he would get tons <laughs> of views big money hey i think aj understands I think he understands this better than anybody, and he is not putting on a shirt unless you're paying him to do it. That's a good point. You know, that's real estate that you don't get for free, baby. I love it. Okay, that was a good question by Connor for real, for real. Uh, from an actual cannibal, we continue to indulge this madman. Or woman. Or woman. Can rule out that cannibals can be women too, I guess. Um, since wrestling doesn't have a lot of scholarship money, what's stopping wealthy donors that bring back programs uh, from setting up a scholarship fund to help bring in wrestlers and pay for their education so that no one has to worry about money. Is this the thing, or is it, like, super illegal? I believe it is, like, super illegal. Super, super illegal. Yeah. You can't just Not set up partially. a little side super. pot. Super illegal. Um, though, why? I don't know. Why Why would that be illegal? Uh, I miss, well, I know what the NSA would say. The NSA would say because the institutions who are wealthy would just get richer because they would have richer donors and then they would pay yeah. for all the best kids. And then there you go. There, there are, you could not set up a scholarship for, for athletics. Um, I know some institutions have policies where, where, um, somebody like a, you know, a, a donor from a certain community, maybe they, you know, they really want people, well, in the state of Wyoming, there was a there's like a, a family from Wyoming that was um, somehow connected. I can't remember if it was Michigan or Michigan State, but there was a big scholarship every year, and it wasn't for athletes; it was for any students. They could apply, and and if you know they selected a certain number of kids, that they would basically like cover their cost of of attendance at whichever one, Michigan or Michigan State, for X number of kids per year. Um, those kinds of independent scholarships, you can often set parameters for. And I remember hearing about, uh, I used to work in college admissions. I remember around like the college fair circuit hearing about flex. some school. Yeah, this, no, it's, <laughs> that's big flex. I remember hearing about um, like institutions where parents would, would kind of set up these like super, super narrow scholarship funds that were only going to apply to their kid as a way to like use non-taxable money as their kid's mm. tuition. So they'd be like, Smart. they'd be like, uh, you know, a, a 
finance major from this city who participates in this activity is eligible to compete for this scholarship. Uh, and then like a separate independent committee has to, uh, has to figure out, you know, who that fits that criteria gets the scholarship or whatever, but there would only be like one kid that could, that could and possibly get their, like their friends to do, to sign off. On yeah. So even, yeah. Yeah. So even something like this, like I wouldn't be surprised if there, if there are but, places where people are, you know, manipulating but, something like this. Hold on, David. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I and it's been a long time since I've been, since I've been in college coaching. I thought there was some stupid rule where um, if you got a scholarship outside of rest, like wrestling, like the one you're talking about, that it still counted against the wrestling team's scholarship allotment or something to that effect to prevent this type of thing from happening. Well, I think that's what the Supreme Court ruling is now changing like i think it's saying okay. I, I think i think it's now saying that student athletes can apply for for those other kinds of financial aid those other kinds of scholars like that's yeah, yeah. that's where i'm wondering if like I've, this thing that the actual cannibal is talking about is illegal but i do because think there, there was some prohibition it. on it right with with athletics i can't i can't remember it's been too long i can't remember exactly what it was but i know there was some prohibition or you had to report other scholarships or something yes. to that effect uh with the athletics yeah yeah okay there's a lot of the you know we need to get we need to get a compliance person on here not a lawyer we need a compliance person we, Christian. we said that right before the show we're gonna try to we're we're working on it oh we are mm -hmm. tremendous not one that's too like too stuffy though like one that'll like you know yeah. maybe an ex-compliance person because they'll give us the real Ooh, the real answers not like the ones that what did XCOM? Yeah, XCOM. <laughs> XCOM. So I'm just going to cool. Google fired compliance officers real quick. Yeah, and we, want one fire. we want one that was breaking the rules so he knows all, they, they know all the ins and outs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, wow, I need to type fired because I ended up with the Texas Commission of Fires. Um, <laughs> so this may be a longer Google search than I, than I realized. Um, Okay, I don't see any other uh, real questions here to get into, so I think we can probably safely go. But I do want to say, uh oh, I almost said it. I want to say it. I think you should leave season two coming July six. This has nothing to do with anything on Flow, but if you've listened to the show, you know we reference it all the time because it's probably the funniest show I've ever seen. Season two is coming. And it has a wrestling tie. I don't actually. know what you're talking about, Christian. I what are you talk talking about, about it all the time. You just need to listen to me. I think you should leave. Is the name of a show on Netflix. It's a sketch comedy by Tim Robinson. Very very funny show. We reference it constantly. You miss all the references. But the oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I got something so good for you. Before okay, you finish, and then I got something great for you. I'm okay. Sorry. So Brooks Whelan, who's been on the Bader show, he's a wrestler, he's from Iowa, is actually gonna he's a stand-up comedian, he was on SNL. He is going to be in season two. So that's awesome. And I think Brooks is gonna stop by Flow sometime in July. Man, I, I got a I got a major beef with with uh Brooks Whelan right now. Spit something. He scheduled a show for Austin, Texas. Great. That's great. It's during Fargo. I'm I'm gonna be in the dang Fargo dome. Probably, oh my goodness. You know, not not Brooks. enjoying Brooks Whelan's comedy tour. He should have scheduled his a stop in Fargo for that week. Yeah, huge miss, yeah. huge miss, Brooks. Um, why would you come to Austin when you can go to Fargo? <laughs> All right, go ahead, Ben. You're gonna love this. Okay, so I posted yesterday that uh, one of my friends sent me this autism test that I could take, and I tested 
uh, I can't remember what the wording was. I'll find you what the wording was. Oh, the I see your Instagram was, post. Significant <laughs> autistic was, traits. I have significant <laughs> autistic traits. And I thought we can close the show on this because I thought you'd laugh at this because you've said this to me before uh, many times. Question number 35. I am often the last to understand the point of a joke. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you select strongly agree for me, slightly agree, disagree, or strongly disagree? I strongly agree that you are <laughs> at times the last to do it. But some of them you pick up. It, it is interesting, the ones that you like pick up right away. And the ones uh, that to me seem like the obviously not true. I feel like it's sarcasm that is uh, a little tougher. No, it's. Uh, I mean, I know. I know. Because uh, my wife. It, sometimes I take things too too literal. Yeah. Like my first my first inclination is to think literally, and then I have to like then process, and then I think. And you know, the other thing that people struggle with uh, autism people, uh, which I guess would include myself. Um, I'm trying to find the questions. Uh, Telling what people are thinking by the look on their face. I mm. really struggle with that one. Um, and the other one that I was dying laughing at because my wife really, she busts my ass about this one a lot. Oh, man, let me find it. Oh, this one. The question number seven. Other people frequently tell me that what I've said is impolite, even though I think it is polite. My <laughs> wife busts me up. She'd be like, dude, what you said was so rude tonight. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? I had a great conversation. I don't know what you're talking about. And she'd be like, dude, you were so rude. I'm like, Amy, no, no, no. The conversation was great. And she'll like, she'll like bust me up about it. Do you have a recent example? Of that? No. Uh, Amy I mean, keeps them chambered. Um. No, she'll, she'll, I mean, she's good about telling me that night. And every once yeah. in a while, I'll disagree with most. But by now, most times I'm like, oh, I see what you're talking about because I process things a little bit differently, you know? Because, I mean, honestly, uh, my best friends in the world are like, uh, there's one of them that I, I won't bring up on the show. because. But if I said like, hey, man, that 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 cup is red, he'd be like, nope, it's a, it's a dark orange. You're wrong. <laughs> And I'm like, why do we need to argue about this? But it's like, they just say whatever they're thinking and it's perfect because then we can see eye to eye. Um, and that's kind of like, if you know, Amy, I guess, I guess in small social chit chat and small talk, you're not supposed to just disagree because just disagreeing, you just kind of let things slide. But that's where I, I, I miss that a lot. I don't get it. If someone <laughs> says something, I don't agree. I'm just like, no, you're wrong on that. So just in uh while we're on this topic of, of the beautiful mind of Ben Askren, I was watching your, <laughs> I was watching, and you referenced this before, but you referenced it when we, when we shot the uh, a technique video where you're teaching the assassin. I was just watching stuff with, with Caleb. Mm -hmm. And how were you able to remember something from a 1996 Greco camp? Like, you're like, I just started thinking about, I mean, what, you used to have a Rolodex of all the things yeah. you learned at wrestling camps? Because it wasn't written down, um, or you didn't imply okay. that you had written it down. So... So uh, I should find the other question. One of the things that uh, is I, I can see things in my head really well. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, for example, last week, Keegan O'Toole taught me a wrestling move. And then I said, I saw him doing something. I said, what are you doing over there? That looks kind of cool. Why don't you? And we do some college practice. Why don't you teach us all that? Mm -hmm. So he taught us. I hit it three times on him yesterday. Really? And he just taught me last week. And then there was two other moves, which I just kind of seen him do. I never practiced. I never had anyone teach it to me. And I hit those moves on him also. <laughs> I'm like, I'm stealing all your moves. So like I have this ability to, 
and I haven't always had this. It, it was developed, but obviously to like your point, I can like see things in my head and like feel them a little bit. And uh, so I saw moves that he did. And then I thought, Oh, these would apply in this scenario. And then I was, I was able to hit them uh, successfully. So I could just kind of like see and feel what's going on. And I, I think it's because I, I tended to be very, very obsessive about wrestling. And I would just think about it and think about it and think about it. And so I came to the point where I could kind of like, see and feel how things worked in my head and then i would be able to like these moves i'd, I'd never drill them one time and then in a live situation i was able to execute them effectively that's pretty amazing does that make sense it it doesn't i mean it makes sense but it um that you're able to do that's pretty yeah that's keegan's got some i'm, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not gonna bust up on the super secrets here he's got a couple new things that he's doing that are uber tremendous uh i really like them i think it's great. We'll hopefully how much, we see him at Junior Worlds. How much is he uh, innovating on his own, or is it he's just learning stuff, or what? I think he doesn't realize it yet. But I'm like, well, who taught you that? And he's like, uh, uh, I don't know. I just don't want to do this or that, or and I'm so like, it's it's clicking. He doesn't really realize I, that he's doing that. Um, I don't think he realizes yet. He has, doesn't realize the power of what he has. How quick is he to laugh at jokes? <laughs> I'm gonna make him take the test, and we'll find out. I think he's more social than me. I, I don't think he's autistic. He's, yeah, he's, he's very. He's pretty he's normal very socially. Yeah. yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're excited to watch watch Keegan. Uh, excited. Excited to talk more more wrestling tomorrow. We're gonna get the heck out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be a happy Thursday. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to David. Thanks to you, especially for listening. We will see you then. Have a great Wednesday. Goodbye.